the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So today's message in this series is the measure of a Christ-centered marriage. If you're not married this morning and you're single and you're a follower of Jesus, God expects you to live a Christ-centered life, okay? That's a given. If you, even if you're not married today, this message is for you. If you're single, I want you to know that God's purpose for you is to live a Christ-centered life. And if you're not yet a Christian, let me just say to you, God sent His Son into this world to redeem you, to save you, and to give you eternal life. So this sermon this morning will cover everybody, particularly to those who have become one in Christ through holy marriage. In Mark chapter 10, verses 8 to 9, these are the words of Jesus. He says, And the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no, no one separate. And I, touch, I touched on this last, uh, last Sunday about the issue of divorce. Jesus says it was never God's plan uh, to institute, uh, to allow a divorce to happen except for certain conditions like marital infidelity and abandonment. And a lot of people today take advantage of that and saying, hey, you know, so it's okay to be divorced. No, it's never okay to be divorced. The, the provision for divorce in the Bible is God's act of patience. It's not a technicality. It's not a, a, an act to give us a way out. It is an act of patience. God says, because I love you and I, you know, I care about you, I will give you provisions on a very limited capacity. So, loved ones, uh, Christ, Christian marriage is about m- marriage for a lifetime. And some of you are here this morning. I failed on that already, Pastor. Believe me, God is a God of grace and mercy. He covers a multitude of sins. His love covers a multitude of sins. And the Bible says that He can restore what the locusts have eaten. God can restore any marriage. I believe that with all of my heart. If you've been married once and it didn't work and you get married the second time, God can make you the happiest couple in the world because His mercy abounds. If you may get married a third time because you got divorced a second time, God will be merciful and you can come to Him. But if you got married 27 times, you're just mocking the institution. You're just mocking God. You're just ridiculing what God says, okay? So when I say that, please understand, God is not merciless. God is not ungracious. But God demands sacredness. He demands righteousness. And He demands a singular focus on His holy name. So this is an important message to everybody. Every marriage is measured by Christ's relationship to His church. The Bible clearly uses marriage as a symbol between the relationship of Jesus and to His bride, the church. Who's the church? The people who put their faith and trust in Him, the followers of Jesus. That's the church. It's not this building with the fancy lights. It's not the, the, the pews. It's not the organization. It's the people that called on the name of Jesus and trusted in Him. That's the church. It's the ecclesia. You have been called out of this world to be 
followers of Jesus to pursue, to walk with Christ, to reflect the glory and honor of God. So every marriage is measured by Christ's relationship to His church, His bride. The moment we recognize the awesome sacredness that marriage represents, we will understand God's blueprint for how it's supposed to work. And I, I need to hear an amen on that one because this is from the Word of God. You know, if we just follow the blueprint for, for God's plan for, for marriage, we wouldn't need marriage counselors, you know. Don't get me wrong. I really do appreciate marriage counselors. They support the body of Christ. They help, and we need them. You know, we do need them. God, there are some God-fearing, God-called people who are given the gift of counseling people so that they can have a, 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 the semblance of a biblical marriage. But we wouldn't need them if we know the blueprint that God has already established. We won't need marriage seminars, and we have them. It's a great thing to go to marriage seminars, but loved ones, if you really want to see, if I really want to see what an honorable marriage looked like, look to His Word. Look to the Bible. Look to what God has already says. It has the answer. Well, that's what I don't like, Pastor. You sound like you, you, you put the Bible at a level wherein you're almost worshiping the Bible. I don't worship the Bible. I worship the God of the Bible. Okay? We don't, we, don't, we don't regard the Bible as deity, but we regard the Bible as God's inspired word. There's no mistake in this book. They've tried for centuries to find, ah, you know, there's a contradiction here and there and all of that. That's all been debunked. Jesus said to his disciples one time, unless you drink the blood of the Son, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part in me. You know what the disciples, many of the disciples says, this is a hard saying. Who can accept it? And then he looked at his 12 disciples and says, well, are you going to leave too? And Peter, give him credit, he said these words, where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. Do you believe that Jesus has the word to eternal life? Yes, we do. That's why we're here. You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I say this every Sunday, forgive me if I sound brash or anything like that. I don't intend to. I love you with all of my heart. But I tell you this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have no understanding of what I'm talking about right now. You're hearing bits and pieces. The Spirit of God has to come into you for you to know what the Word of God says. And so I plead with you, come to Christ. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, you're the only one that can know whether you truly came to faith in Jesus. No, no, nobody in here will, will know, right? You, 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 can be a, you, you can be, you know, faking it for a long time, but you can only fake it for so long. The truth will come out because the Spirit superintends the love, the life of His followers. That's true with marriage. That's true with marriage. It's a reflection of God's love. We want to look at the Bible. We want to look at the Word of God in order for us to, to measure the marriage relationship that we have. To marriage Christ, to measure Christ-centered marriage. You know, when we talk about our relationship with God, you know, we are Western people. We live in the United States, okay? We are Western thinkers. So when we, when we talk about um, our relationship with God, you know, we, we fall into this mindset that this is all about priorities, you know. You know, in America, when you talk to people, how do you measure what's important in your life? And then we automatically look at our lists, right? <laughs> we, we number things in terms of priority. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, okay? Of course, when you ask Christians in the West, what is 
where is God in, 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 their, in their list of, of priorities, they're always going to put God at number one. Amen? That's, that's our Western mindset. God's number one. Number two is my family. Number three is my ministry. Number four is my job. And then we come down to the list. But biblical, the biblical writers has, have no concept of that. They don't look at their relationship with God in terms of priority. They look at their relationship with God in terms of centrality. Okay? God is in the middle. And, and everything revolves around that middle spoke of a wheel. That's what the biblical writers do. That's why when Jesus said to his disciples, he, when he was confronted by, by these people who were asking, religious leaders asking, you know, well, what is, what is the, the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus automatically says, you shall love the Lord your God with all. Let me tell you this morning, when I say that to you, you should love God with all. How easy is that? Oh, come on. Because you see, our minds are trained to put a priority on God. To think, well, love God with all, that means God has to be number one. No. When God has to be worshipped with all, it means God has to be in the middle where everything else revolves. That's the way the biblical thinkers think. You ever notice why, you know, I mean, the, the Bible was written by, you know, by people largely in the, the, the Middle East, you know. <laughs> You know, Eastern thinkers, you know. Do you know that most Eastern countries, especially in the Islamic countries, do you know that they don't separate their religion from their culture? You, you ever notice that? You ever know? You know, you are in the whatever Islamic Republic of what, okay? And now, I, I, I'm, I, I don't put anything else on this statement I'm going to say. But they got something right, okay? There's no separation between culture and their religion, right? That, there's just no separation. When you elect a president, that president is Islamic, all right? And the culture is Islamic. It's integrated in their religion. Now, you know, you, you have your, you, you, can, you can look at it right or wrong. I'm not saying anything like that, but it's a matter of thinking, isn't it? It's a matter of thinking. Uh, we, we are not trained to think that way. We are trained to think that God has to be number one for us to be totally Christians. But the Bible writers aren't thinking about that. They're saying, no, God is in the middle. Everything revolves around God. And that becomes important when it, when, when, in everything we do and deal with in our lives. It becomes so important. Okay? That's why when Jesus says, you should love God with all, he's talking about all. He's talking about everything revolving around God. Okay? Because I, I, I'm going to make a confession to you. Every time I say to God, God, you're number one, he's usually number seven. Right? A lot of people aren't here this morning because there's a, a, a variant called Super Bolicron. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Because I'm as guilty as everybody else. You know? A, 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 a few drops of rain will, will keep 100 people away from church. And you know why that is? Because we think God is number one. And try to live up to that. I triple dare anybody. Find some kind of way to justify that God is always number one in your life. I mean, let me just ask you. Has God been number one consistently in your life and mine? I'm going to make the first confession, okay? If I, if I ask people to raise your hands, if you failed on this one, I'm going to ask. I'm going to do this. Because I Because, you know, it's a, it's a wrong mindset, isn't it? It's a wrong way of thinking. Central. 
Christ-centered marriage. No, in God's blueprint of marriage, Jesus is not number one. He's in the middle. He surround, he, 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 everything revolves around that hub. Everything. There's a, as Christians, we are called to make a Christ-centered commitment. The center of your life and mine has to be Jesus. You cannot really get a number to the Lord. You and I will fail in that. In a marriage, we are commanded by Jesus to reflect his relationship to the church. If we want to measure the success and greatness of a marriage, we look at Jesus and his church. Now, there are four ways. Now, consider this four ways as the four uh, spokes to the wheel where Jesus is the center. And then there are four spokes. Okay, these are the four spokes. <laughs> of a Christ-centered marriage, okay? You're probably asking, so what does it look like? How do I measure whether my marriage is really centered on God? How do I measure? Okay, a married pastor, been married for, I've been married for 35 years, by the way, celebrated my, my anniversary last Sunday, 35 years. That's a long time, all right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah I, I'll receive the, 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 the applause. I worked hard for it. Spent a lot of money on it, all right? Shed a lot of tears, I know it's not the longest marriage here. You know, I think Dan and Bertha have been married 300 years. I, I think I, I forgot. It's not an accident, folks. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You know what? That couldn't have happened without the grace and love and patience of God. Let me tell you, it just doesn't happen by accident. You know, I learned some things a few, uh, a few years back, you know, through the guidance of some godly people. There are four spokes to a Christ-centered marriage, okay? And if I keep rattling along on this one, forgive me. I'm not angry. I'm very happy, but uh, this is important this morning. Four spokes, okay, that we, we judge and measure our marriage. Number one, spoke number one, the measure of a servant attitude. The, the measure of a servant attitude. That's, that's the first spoke of a Christ-centered, honorable marriage. Look at verses 22 and 25 to 25 again in our, in our text. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, this word submit scares the living daylights out of women. It really does. It's a bad word. It's an ugly word. Because we are in a very individualistic society. Amen? We are a priority type thinking people. So, you know, when we hear the word, especially in the Me Too movement days, right? Submit. <laughs> Excuse-moi. Pardon. This commandment to the wives to submit to their husband was not given in the Bible to distinguish the role of a man and a woman in a marriage relationship. That was not the intention Okay? It was never intended to be a role-defining command. It's not a role. It's not meant to be a role. It's meant to be a reflection. A reflection of something more profound. Okay? Very important. Because how many men have abused their role? You know, the Bible says, I'm the Darth Vader in this family. 
We even talk like Darth Vader, you know. Oh. You can't say that to me. But I mean, we can laugh at it. But you see, we think that this commandment for women to submit to their husband, we think of it as a role that God has implanted. No, it's not a role per se. It's a reflection. Wives, submit to your husband as Christ. I mean, just, just, let's just read that again. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is the Savior. Okay? So when a wife submits to her husband, okay, she's not just playing a role. She's reflecting the role of the church in its relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? As the body of Jesus, the church submits to the rule of Jesus, the wife must in marriage also submit to her husband. This is an act of worship on the part of the woman. Now, now we think, that, well, you know what, that's not fair at all. Oh, it's more than fair. You know what the next commandment is? The, <laughs> the Bible says wives should submit to their husbands. But you know what the commandment is to the husband? It's right there. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You lucky! You just ask to submit. You don't need to love the bomb. So who has a higher, if you want to look at it that way, if you want to look at it as a role, you know what? We, we, we're, we're down on our luck. We were not called to even, we're called to the highest calling, right? To love your wife as Christ loved the church and what? And died, died for her. It's getting all bloody now, right? It, guys, did you, did you hear me? You're called to love your wife and die for her. Oh, Pastor, I'm already dead. She killed me a long time ago. I've been dead for a while. I'm a zombie. You see, this, this submission to the husband by the wife and this loving of, of, of the husband to the wife, they are acts of worship. They're not simply roles. They're acts of worship. And that act of worship in the Bible is called servanthood. That's what it's called. When God says, wife submits to your husband, in other words, you know, he, what he's saying is, serve me through your marriage. You're serving me, really. You're worshiping me. And let me make it straight. If, you, if your husband doesn't love you, the heck with him. You don't submit to him. You don't submit to someone who doesn't love you. Pure and simple. Because this is an act of worship. This is not, this is not a role. This is a reflection. So when we say, ah, my marriage is reflecting the glory of God, you know, you, there better be some submitting going on and there better be some loving going on. Not a whole lot of shaking going on, a whole lot of loving going on. All right? This is an act of worship. 
This is, this is, this is not a, a, a simply a, a role-defining thing. This is not a word of inferiority versus superiority. Let's, let's get rid of that. Okay? Yes, we, have, we do have different differences between men and women. Yes, we do. Okay? There are, uh, men are strong in some areas. There are women that are, we need them, that they are strong in other areas. This is not an inferiority or superiority thing. All right? I think it's Adrian Rogers who says, uh, Pastor Adrian Rogers, who says that a, a jar of clay may be stronger than porcelain, but it's not superior to porcelain. All right? It's not more precious than porcelain. In fact, porcelain is more precious than a jar of clay. Men may be stronger in many areas of their lives, but it doesn't mean that they are superior. We are all equal as human beings in the sight of God. We have been given different roles, and that dif those different roles are not meant to incite superiority and inferiority. They are meant to reflect serving God. I, I need to make that clear because I can save a lot, of, a lot of problems, you know. You don't have to call me at all. If we just walk in the Word, we will know this. This commandment has nothing to do with any of all of these things, but it's meant to show love and obedience to Christ. It reflects the church's love for Jesus in a marriage. Now, look at the commandment to the husband. I mean, I, I want you to look at that. It says... Love your wife as Christ loved the church. It's a reflection of Jesus' love to the church. A wife's submission and a husband's love are not separate acts of worship. They are one act of worship, and that act is called servanthood. The way a wife serves the marriage through submission, and the way a husband serves the marriage, uh, not the person, but as an act of love, are all reflections of worship. If only the wife submits but the husband doesn't love and vice versa, it's not a Christ-centered marriage. It is an off-centered marriage. But when the two serves the marriage biblically, it becomes a reflection of Jesus and his relationship to the church. Matthew 20, 26 to 28 says, This is not going to be so with you, speaking of the relationships that we have. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I don't need to elaborate on that. You know that clear and well, that Jesus serves us, served us by going to the cross so that we can be our sins can be paid. Okay? And we need to reflect that here in our world. We need, we, we need that as a reflection of our relationship with God. That's why Jesus said there'll be no marriage in heaven because everybody serves the Lord in heaven. Everybody. We gotta be, we're going to be the literal reflection of the Lord. And, and um, please, uh, let me interject this. This is, may, may have nothing to do with the sermon this morning, but if you're thinking that Jesus um, is still here to serve you, you have a distorted view of who Jesus is right now. Okay? Well, no, right there, Jesus says, I have come to serve. And you know what? So many Christians today think that Jesus is still their servant. Jesus is no longer our servant. He finished that on the cross. You know what he is right now? You know where Jesus is right now? 
He's seated on the throne. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. He's sitting in the highest throne of power. We cannot define this marriage according to what we want. We cannot define this marriage according to what we want. When we enter the kingdom of God, we bow to the king. It's the king's word. Okay, get practical, Pastor. This sermon is going to go on and on and on. How do we serve one another? Let me give you some practical opportunities. Look for opportunities to serve the person, right? Serve your wife, serve your husband, okay? What's, what's needed to be able to reflect this? Adjustments to our preferences, okay? We need to make adjustments when we get married. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.